0: Wonderful, wonderful worship. I've been blessed because I've had a double this morning, and uh, that's always great. And it's really been good. I don't just say that lightly. It's been wonderful to be able to worship the Lord twice over and to to enjoy that time. Now, um, this morning we're going to be starting a a new series uh, through Psalms. It's going to be a short series that we're going to do through uh, the book of Psalms. And uh, many of you will know that the psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. Um, How many of you have used a psalm before? You didn't know what to pray, so you just, Lord, I'm going to pray a psalm. Anybody ever done that? You've just taken a psalm and you've prayed. Isn't it wonderful that sometimes when you don't know what to pray, you can go into the psalms and you'll find something almost perfect uh, for your particular need at that that time. Psalms have also been an, an inspiration for many of the songs that we sing, and uh, I was saying earlier on this morning that um, when I was researching this, I've discovered that there are over uh, 140 songs that we sing today in the church that have their origin in the book of Psalms. That's how influential uh, it has been in terms of songwriting. It's, a, it's, a real, it's been a real source of strength for people facing tough times and uh, challenges that they've faced and, and Psalms has been just one of those, uh, those books that just come and ministered, in a sense, ministered to you. But it's also one of those portions of Scripture that helps us to be really open and honest with God. I've, I've found sometimes people, people have felt it's irreverent to be open with God about how you really feel. I don't know if that's ever happened to You just want to let it all spill out on the table. And if you read through Psalms, you'll see very often the psalmist says like, That's me. That's where I'm at. God, that's how it is. And isn't it amazing? It just showed us the way that we can be open and transparent uh, with God as well. So, let's start at Psalm 1, and we're going to look at that this morning. And uh, an introduction, in a sense, to the whole of Psalms uh, is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners... Or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law. And I want you to, I want you to sit on this one. a But he meditates day and night. Right? I want us just to hold on to that word meditates. We're going to look at that a little bit more uh, as we go along. He is or she is. They are like a tree that is planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, whatever she does, prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, my daughter, when she was six years old, was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. And for those of you who know a little bit about diabetes, will know that diabetics carry a little thing like this around with them. And uh, this little machine, this little device is used to test their blood sugar level. And that's always a very important thing for a diabetic. They mustn't have a too low of sugar level and they mustn't have too high a sugar level. And so this little goodie, you put a few drops of blood on it, you prick your finger, put a few drops of blood and in like 10 or 12 seconds it will give you a reading and it will tell you what your blood sugar level is like. But I found something out something very interesting about this little device that from time to time it needs to be recalibrated because... If this thing starts to give you a, an incorrect reading, you can imagine there's tragedy that's going to follow. There's a disaster that's going to follow if you've got a wrong blood reading. And so there is a little... Um, when you buy the, the little strips that go in here, they give you something that will help you to recalibrate this machine. But it's interesting. I have discovered as human beings, we also need to be recalibrated from time to time. We face many different influences... Around us, and we need to be calibrated because when we start making decisions based on incorrect information, it can be extremely harmful for us as well. Now, Psalm 1 helps us to recalibrate, that's one of the the benefits of Psalm 1. You're going to discover as you read through Psalm 1, it recalibrates things for you. Where there's been an error reading, I don't know if you've ever seen something where you you, you, you press the button and it gives you an error reading. And and you know there's something wrong inside. And sometimes with us, there's something wrong inside. There's an error reading. And Psalm 1 helps us uh, to recalibrate. And so, Psalm 1 begins with an issue that's so important to every one of us here this morning. It's being happy. Anybody not want to be happy? we'll we'll do some prayer ministry right now. But the the psalmist, you'll notice, uses a slightly different word. He uses the word blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. And that word blessed in the Hebrew is quite an interesting word because it means somebody who is highly favored. That's kind of what the word means. Somebody who is really highly favored. Somebody who is to be envied. Somebody we would say, you are blessed blessed you're a blessed person now fundamentally when you put that all together what he's saying is the truly happy person is and then he goes on and all of us here want to be happy this morning but isn't it true that sometimes we base our happiness on the wrong assumptions and the incorrect information now the psalm highlights an issue that has captivated people for generations, for years, for centuries. And it's this, the quest for happiness. There is a quest, an insatiable quest for happiness in every single one of us. And I'm sure there's, that we would agree with that this morning. Wouldn't it be nice if all of us were happy all of the time? Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody you met was happy? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every person everywhere in the world was always happy? Wouldn't that be an amazing place to be? We'd love to have that. But I've discovered that some people have gained some rather strange ideas about what makes us happy. I don't know if you've noticed, but almost every advert, and may I say adverts are the pulpit of the world, almost every advert seems to suggest that if you buy a particular product... If you drink a particular drink, and sorry to say this, but if you go on a particular diet, you're going to be happy. It's that if only little phrase. And I'm interested that almost every advert seems to appeal to what you and I want most, and that's to be happy. Do you notice that underlying every advert is this thing, if you have, if you do, if you get, you will be happy. But there's another issue in it when this that the psalmist addresses, and it's simply this that true happiness comes from knowing the Lord. Would you most of you agree with that this morning? Some of you are looking a bit worried. Some of you are not looking convinced. Let me let me let me ask you a question. How many of you got you have got an if only that you hold on to. If only this happened. God, if only you did that. If only I was more healthy. If only I had. If only... Do we really believe that true happiness comes from the Lord? Because one of the things the psalmist highlights is that the truly happy person has discovered there is a richness, there is a benefit, there is a blessing in knowing the Lord. He, He describes the person as being planted next to streams of water and keeps bearing fruit in every season of life. In Psalm 84, the psalmist says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You know the song? I would rather just be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And listen to this. O Lord Almighty, blessed, same word, happy, truly fulfilled is the man or woman who trusts in you. And that's why when after Paul comes to faith in Jesus, listen to the words he writes, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things. May I say this morning, true, a truly blessed life comes from knowing the Lord. But you see... The psalmist alerts us to something else. And he alerts us to the fact that none of us can afford to ignore the nature of the world we live in. You know, this world is not always a nice place. And it's not always a nice place because of the kind of people you're going to find in the world. It's not the creation that's so bad. It's the people that are so bad. And he... he, he, in the psalm, we are reminded that there are three kinds of people whose influence will not be good for us. He says, the, he speaks about them as the wicked. The wicked is a person who is disconnected from God. A sinner is somebody who doesn't live by God's standards. And scoffers are those people who are openly hostile to God. And then he says, the truly happy person is this the person who sees things for what they are. It's the person who's not deceived. It's the person who who doesn't walk or stand or sit in the company of people like that because they don't want that rubbing off on their lives. Or maybe as Peter put it, be self-controlled and alert for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. We need to be alert in the world in which we live. The big question is, How do we avoid all of this deception? How do we avoid being captivated by all of this stuff around about us? And it's very simply, it's by the renewing of our minds. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on His law He meditates day and night. I don't know if you have picked this up, I've, I I guess have the privilege of being here for every service on a Sunday. So I'm here... Three times on a Sunday. And over the last couple of weeks, there's something that I've noticed has been coming through over and over and over again. There's almost been a word from the Lord to refocus on His Word. It's just been coming through over and over and over again. And I have a sense that the, the Spirit of God is trying to highlight an issue for us. He's drawing our attention to something. And I ask myself the question, why is it that God see, keeps drawing our attention to going back into His Word, meditating on His Word, immersing ourselves in His word, in His word. And I think I found an answer. What I believe is that we are a generation that is hard-pressed for time. Have you noticed how busy we've become? If you're not busy at work, you're busy with the grandkids, we've become incredibly busy. And you know what's been affected in that process? is not the reading of God's Word, but the meditating on God's Word. You see, there's a difference between reading and being being people who meditate on the Word. We We are incredibly distracted as a generation because technology has made our lives so accessible. Have you noticed that? You're in the middle of your time with God and or whatever your one does. Have you found how hard it is to leave that thing lying alone when it goes off? Or is it only me? Maybe you much better than me. Friends, we are being entertained at a whole new level by all the media at our disposal. And we need to recognise time is an issue, distractions an issue, and entertainment's an issue. These are things that are affecting our lives. At the moment. Now, what do you do when all of those kinds of things start to happen? Uh, the, the, how do we counteract that? Well, I think we've got to put countermeasures in place. If we see what's going on, we see the influences around us, we have to put countermeasures in place. Here are some of the ones I would suggest. We need to re- get a routine going back again. You, we cannot be living by the urgent all the time every day. This is urgent. That's urgent. I'm running from here to there everywhere. Friends, we've got to get a routine in our lives again. We have to recognize where our greatest temptations come from and interruptions. We need to take a stand against some of the schemes of the enemy. I'm totally convinced the enemy wants to prevent us getting into the Word. We need to ask the Lord to help us get on track again. What does it mean when the psalmist says meditating on God's Word? Does that mean you do this and you close your eyes and you get into a certain position? No, it doesn't. Well, what he's talking about he's saying, my people, take time to listen. Take time to listen. And I don't know if you're different to me, But I need to get a lot of stuff out of my head and out of my heart before I'm hearing well. Sometimes I'm finding myself churning because of something that, that has happened. My, my daughter was in ICU for, for three days uh, two weeks ago. And then uh, a week ago they discovered she's got TB. And I, I sit down and I found all of these things churning inside of me. And I, I want to come and I want to listen. But all of this information is churning around. And I have to go to the Lord and I have to lay it at His feet. And I have to get it off my chest and then I can... We need to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and what the Spirit is saying to us. Friends, I really want to say this uh, with conviction this morning. The Holy Spirit speaks to us as His people. This is not something weird. This is the normal Christian life. We need to discover God's wisdom. We want to find out what He wants us to be doing in every aspect of our lives. Do you remember that? when Joshua took over leadership from Moses, that there is a word for him. Listen to what it says. In Joshua 1, be strong and very courageous. Well, I think that's a good thing to say to somebody who's going to lead the troops into battle. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, Meditate on it day and night. And interestingly enough, one of the ways people would meditate was to read God's word aloud. It's one of the meanings of the word meditate. It means to mutter or to mumble. It's talking about somebody who is, who is reading the word aloud, so they're hearing it. It's going into their soul. It's, they got, the, the word has their full attention. Life's changing all the time, and we're going to have to learn to put things in place so that we can benefit from one of the greatest treasures we have, and that's the Word of God. I spoke about, or you would have seen right up front, that word recalibrate. The psalmist is saying when we get into the Word of God, it recalibrates our thinking. It recalibrates our expectations. It helps us to understand where there's deception around us. I don't promise you, you're going to face deception every day of your life. When Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to face the enemy, and He comes face to face with the devil, and the devil comes and begins to test Him and tempt Him, like He did with Adam and Eve, Jesus says to him, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil says, but do you know what's written in Psalm 91? And he takes Jesus to the the top of the temple, and he says, jump off the top of the temple, quite a high place. And he said, do you know the Bible says he will give his angels charge over you? And Jesus said, yes, and it also says you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. How many people have been led astray by a Bible verse that comes from darkness? You know the devil knows the Bible too. But when we are steeped in the Word and when we meditate on the Word, we can spot the error just like that. I've hidden your Word, the psalmist says in my heart, that I would not sin against against you. Your Word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. Remember Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, pleasing, and perfect will. And then the last part of the psalm finishes by doing something quite unusual. It compares the outcome of the life of a person who meditates on God's Word with the life of the wicked. There's like this comparison. And there's a sense in which this is what the psalm does. It looks into the future and shows you the future because it's important that you and I have a long-term view of life. I've discovered one of the great dangers for all of us is having a short-term view of life. We are a generation that's li- used to living with the instant. Instant this, instant that, and instant the next thing. But friends, one of the most important things for you and for me as believers is that we have a long-term view of life. The psalmist in Psalm 73 tells us a little bit about that. He said, uh, starts with, with a good theological statement. Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. Great statement, true statement. Then he goes on to say, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They've got no struggles and their bodies are healthy and strong. He said, I was in a spiritual dilemma because I said, here's what God promises and I look at the wicked and they seem to be getting it all. But then in verse 16 and 17 it said when i tried to understand this it was oppressive to me till i entered the sanctuary of god and then i understood what the final destiny you see that's a long term view of life That's when when sometimes the pieces don't always make sense right now. And God says, let me show you the future. Let me tell you about the future. Let me show you what the future holds. And suddenly when you put the big things in in the context of the bigger picture, it is all different. That's a long-term view of life. One of the things I came away from after reading this song Is that when our view of eternity gets distorted, we are likely to make some very unwise decisions. Verse 5: Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. And you see, the end of life is not death, it's eternity. The end of this life is not when I die. What's beyond that is eternity. How many of you remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? You remember that? Some of you nodding still with us. I don't know if you remember when you read that parable, you, you read about Lazarus and he was incredibly poor and he was very... His health was not good. Let me put it like that. So much so that the dogs would come and lick the sores. And, does that make... I don't know if you, have like me, when I read that, I like, thought, this is gross. This is terrible. And then you, you, you read about the rich man, and he's got it all together, and he's got every provision in the world, and you think, well, Lord, I'd prefer the rich man than the... Isn't it strange you feel like that until you read the end of the story? And then you read about the rich man crying out to God in his, in his desperation, God, will you please send somebody back to alert my family to the truth? Because I lived in abject wealth. I had huge wealth. And I was enjoying life and it was all great. And I looked down on this beggar with his sores and the dogs licking him. And I despised that man. Now it's all changed because we see the final end of things. Friends, I want to say to you today, sometimes life only makes sense now when you look at eternity. The way to navigate the complexities of life, to make wise choices, to enjoy God's favor and find true happiness is to meditate on God's word. Friends, let your mind be renewed. Because the word is alive and active. It will guide you. It will enable you to enjoy God's favor it will even bring you to salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what God's Word can do. I want to finish this morning by sharing with you part of my own story and I I have a sense God would have me share this. When I came to faith in Jesus, I was was just uh, about 19, 20 years old. I'd grown up in a church, in grown up in a church, that sounds weird. Uh, I'd, I'd spend a lot of my time in a church. My, my folks made sure I went to Sunday school, for which I'm grateful. I was at youth. I was in church services. In those days, you were a backslider if you didn't go to church twice on a Sunday. So I didn't want to be a backslider, so I was in church twice on a Sunday. The, the problem was I wasn't saved and I didn't know Jesus. And there came a day when... When I, I, when I was listening to the message and I had an understanding that if you're going to be a Christian, you actually have to commit your life to the Lord. It's not an osmosis thing. You sit in church long enough and suddenly you become this wonderful Christian. I realized I needed to actually commit my life to Christ. And so after hearing that, I went home and I gave my life. I prayed. I said, Jesus, I want to repent. I said, Jesus, I want, to, I want you to become my Lord and my Savior. And I believe from that day onwards, God heard my prayer and it was a significant turning point in my life. However, I had also learned that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to read your Bible. Any of you heard that before? Okay, some of you. And you're supposed to pray and you're supposed to witness. There's a lot of things you're supposed to do if you're a Christian. And so what I did is, I had a Bible and had a Bible for a long time. And like I think some of you, maybe it has been on the shelf for quite a long time. And I pulled the Bible off the shelf. And I did what I was supposed to do. I started to read my Bible. And you know what happened to me after I'd read my Bible for a whole week? Absolutely nothing. I was really struggling. I read it for another week and you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. And this went on and on and on. But you know, I persevered because they said, read the book. And so I read the book. 90% of the time, I found I was really struggling. I remember going to the Lord one day and I said to the Lord, Lord, I know that I'm supposed to read my Bible, but I need to be honest with you. I'm finding it extremely barren and extremely dry. And some of the time, I don't even know what you're talking about there. And I share this with you for a reason. And I said, Lord, today, will you open my mind? And will you open my heart to the scripture? Will you, in a, in a, in a wonderful way that I, that I can't always explain to people, but Lord, will you by your spirit cause this word to come alive? I want to read the scripture to you, and if you want it, you can ask me for it afterwards. But This is what the Bible says. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what He has freely given us. Here's the end of my story. After praying and saying, God, would You by Your Spirit open my heart and open my mind to Your Word. I opened the Word the next day. And it jumped off the page. And for the first time, I understood what it says. And God will speak to you. And my life took a very significant turn from that time onwards. I share that with you this morning for one reason only. There are some of you here who identify with that completely. There are some of you here this morning, you do it because you're told to. But when you do, it's pretty dry. The sad thing is, the Bible itself says His Word is alive and active. It's not dry. It says His Word is truth and the truth will set you free. It says that the Spirit takes the Word and brings life to you and renews and recalibrates. So I want to finish with this. Is Trevor here somewhere? Where's Trevor? Is he left? Okay. And I, I wanted to just say, I, my sense is if you would like prayer for that this morning, you can say, John, I identify with you completely. I want to invite you to come to the front right now. We're going to pray for you that God himself, by his spirit, will open. Nobody can do that for you except the Spirit of God. Nothing else. The Lord opens up His Word. The Spirit opens up the Word. And suddenly, where there's been dryness and barrenness, it the life giving Word of the Lord. So let's pray. And uh, this is an opportunity. We want to actually pray for you. Um, we're not gonna, I don't want you to leave just, oh, that was a nice thought. But we would like to actually pray for you and minister to you. And so, you'd like um, to be prayed for this morning. You're saying, that's just what I long for in my life. There's an opportunity for prayer today. So Lord, I just want to pray that there would be no fear of man this morning that would hinder people responding to you. Lord, you have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, that there would not be a barrenness in our souls but there would be the richness of the living Word in our hearts. Lord, that we would, have, uh, we would constantly know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Lord, that we'd be able to say we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Lord, because it's a good way, and it's a good word, and it's a life-bringing word. and Lord, why should there be death among Your people when You've come that they might have life? So I pray, Father, This will be an enriching, recalibrating time for people here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, (laughs) Trevor.